This message comes from NPR sponsor REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing. Visit your local REI Co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways to opt outside. The U.S. population is aging quickly. The share of Americans aged 65 and older grew by more than a third last decade. That's the fastest rate of any decade in more than a century, according to data from the Census Bureau. By 2030, census estimates predict that the nation will have more adults over 65 than children. As the youngest baby boomers enter their 60s and more adults are choosing to have children later in life, many Americans are finding themselves taking care of elderly parents and young kids at the same time. That includes some of you. Hi, my name is Jean and I'm 52. I am the health power of attorney for my mother who's 90 and I have three children of my own. I am separated now for two years. I can say definitively that caring for my mother since COVID began has greatly impacted my marriage and my relationship with, with my professional life and I think with my children. I'm pulled in too many directions for any one human. Thanks for that message, Jean. With fewer people to take care of the aging population, some healthcare experts have deemed the current moment a crisis of care. After the break, we take a closer look at how conversations around aging and caregiving are changing, especially when it comes to cross-generational responsibilities. I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. We'll be back with more in just a moment. This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on. Now more than ever, your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services, all tailored to your short and long-term goals. Backed by the strength and stability of a top 10 commercial bank, their dedicated experts work with you to build lasting success. Explore the possibilities at CapitalOne.com slash commercial, a member FDIC. This message comes from NPR sponsor, REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing, backpacking, and another outdoor thing that rhymes with backpacking. Visit your local REI Co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways you can opt outside. This message comes from NPR sponsor ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people across your business, providing intelligent tools to help remove frustration and supercharge productivity. And all of that is built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Learn more at servicenow.com slash AI for people. This message comes from NPR sponsor, REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing, backpacking, and another outdoor thing that rhymes with backpacking. Visit your local REI Co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways you can opt outside. Let's welcome our guests. 
Joining us from Maryland is Michelle Singletary. She's a personal financial columnist for The Washington Post and the author of What to Do with Your Money When Crisis Hits, A Survival Guide. Michelle, it's always great to have you. Oh, thank you for having me. Also with us from California is Carlene Davis. She's the VP of Strategy and Evaluation for the California Black Women's Health Project. She's also the co-founder of Sisters Aging with Grace and Elegance, or SAGE. That's a nonprofit conducting research, education, policy, and advocacy work on behalf of Black women in their 40s and beyond. Carlene, welcome to the program. It's an honor. Thank you. And also with us is Amy Goyer. She's the national family and caregiving expert at AARP and the author of Juggling Life, Work, and Caregiving. She joins us from Virginia. Amy, it's great to have you. Hi. Thanks so much for having me on the show. So we hear about a crisis of care happening in the U.S. right now. Give us some definition of what that really means, Amy. So when, when we look at the baby boomers aging, they're about to turn 80 in the next few years. And we look for, ahead to who's going to be caring for baby boomers. We see that the ratio of the number of people who are available to help someone over the age of 80 is going way down. So in, in 2010, there were seven people between the ages of 45 and 64 who could help care for someone over the age of 80. In 2030, it's going to be four to one. In 2050, it's going to be almost three to one. Uh, So you can see that it's going to be more and more pressure on fewer caregivers. And we do not have the infrastructure in place. The the family caregivers are the backbone of the long-term care system. But we don't have the supports in place for these caregivers. And they're under a lot of pressure there are workforce shortages in, the, in, in terms of workers' home health aides and nursing home workers. So that's really complicating matters even more. Michelle, who's most likely to be in this so-called sandwich generation, caring for their aging parents and young children at the same time? Who's taking on the bulk of that responsibility? Well, it's going to be their children. Uh, and I hate to say that I'm in that group. <laughs> I, don't, I know I look 29 when people see me, but <laughs> I'm in the last part of the baby boomers. And I had my children late in life, um, my mid-30s, the last one at 38. And so all my kids are in my, their 20s. And in about 10 or 15 years, they may face the very thing that we're talking about. Two of my daughter, I've got three, two, two daughters and one son. They're in the um, kind of health, helping, teaching area. And so right when they're, you know, in their 30s and 40s, they may end up having to take care of me. And so that's the, that's the group we're looking at because family caregivers often are somebody's child, mm-hmm. uh, um, adult child. I mean, sometimes you can get some, you know, extended family members, nieces and nephews, but most of the time it's going to be your adult child, which is why I had three of them. I have a better chance <laughs> of one of them <laughs> taking care of me. And that's really, I mean, I joke, but but it's serious, mm-hmm. right? And I'm talking to my 20-some-year-olds now and preparing them for that day. Hey, this is going to happen. This is what I'm going to need you to do. We're saving the help to hire someone to help you. But this is a reality, and we need to be talking about it, and I expect you to help take care of me. Carlene, there are lots of ways people can be sandwiched between caregiving responsibilities. How are you thinking more expansively about how we define what it means to be part of the sandwich generation? 
Well, I want to speak a little bit to what Michelle mentioned, particularly as it relates to Black women, um, because Michelle is fortunate to have three children. However, for Black women, um, many are kinless, right, like myself. And that number is expected to double by in, to, in 2060 to about 3.3 um, million Black women who are not partnered and do not have kin. And so for our work, we're looking at the issue of caring much more broadly and to return to kind of our ancestral tradition of honoring aging as a rite of passage and not as an individual test of metal. And so what we're trying to do is say, we need to focus on how we're caring for our entire community. Mm-hmm. That That's Really interesting framing. And Amy, it makes me wonder how our ideas about aging have changed over the decades as we have shifted to move maybe farther away from our families than than we did in the past. Um, fewer of us maybe are getting married than have been married in the past. How is that changing the way we think about what it means to age? I think, you know, the baby boomers have always changed everything. From the time they were born, they changed the education system. They've changed so many things. And I think they are changing aging as well. And so we have more of an expectation that we're just going to be active, which is great. And, you know, people are staying more active as they're older. And we're living longer, but we're living longer with chronic illnesses. So there's this aspect of I'm going to just be keep going and keep going and keep going. And and then until I'm not going to think about a time when I might die. So planning has not really been such a great part of, of a baby boomer's life. And I love what Michelle said, you know, you got to prepare your kids, you got to put all those things in place. And we, we, I think many people have false ideas about Medicare will take care of me, or I'll just go on Medicaid at a certain point. They don't understand what's covered and what, um, it, what makes you eligible for Medicaid. Um, and, and, you know, so the, the, the resources, the finances aren't there. And, and that's a really key part of it. I mean, the cost of caring has gone up. Caregivers spend on average about 26% of their, fi- their personal income on caregiving costs. And they, that is across the nation, an average of about 7,000. Many people spend much more. You know, my parent, I moved to take care of my parents. They moved in with me. I spent way more than $7,000 a month taking care of them, and I ended up in bankruptcy. Wow. We're going to head to a quick break. When we come back, we discuss how to plan for your own aging journey. Back with more in just a moment. This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive Insurance, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Get your quote at Progressive.com and see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Amgen, a biotechnology pioneer leading the fight against the world's toughest diseases such as cancer, heart disease, asthma, and osteoporosis. In a new era of human health, Amgen continues to accelerate the pace of change, operating sustainably and drawing upon deep knowledge of science to push beyond what's known today. With each decade, they reliably deliver powerful new therapies to patients. Learn more at Amgen.com. 
This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive, and it's Name Your Price Tool. Say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show coverage options within your budget. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get back to the discussion with these messages we got from some of you. John says, I think it's absurd to expect your child to take care of you. It is nice and would be wonderful if your child did, but no one should ever expect them to do that because that is not their job. And Mikey Mills, I believe that one is responsible for the generation one created, not the other way around. I will never rely on my kids when I can no longer take care of myself. The indignity of that would kill me. I want to look at this through a a few different lenses. And Michelle, first from the financial perspective. Life is really expensive now. Um, People may have planned for retirement, thought they planned appropriately, but there are things that you you can't plan for. You can't plan for prolonged illness um, necessarily. You can't um, plan for your 401k to, to take a downturn. So people may find themselves in situations they did not plan for. In the current financial environment, how likely is it that you'll be able to age without needing some sort of support? And you you mentioned the cost of care too. Yeah. I I think for most people it is very low percentage. There's a very low percentage who are not going to need any help at any point before they pass away. Um, and I think it's sort of the two callers or the emails about, you know, children not helping and and I think Carlene's right. See, see, there's two paths to this problem, this policy. We need to have policies in place, paid family leave. We need to have a better health care system, um, a better system to help the caregivers. Perhaps we incorporate some tax breaks for those who have to take off of work and stay at home. That's policy. And then personal. So even if you have all the money you need, you still need someone to watch over the people who are going to be caring for you. And so it is to gather those two things, policy and personal, that makes this thing work. I don't, John is incorrect. I mean, we are together, we need to help our aging population. And that might be adult children. It might be, I love the idea of SAGE, you know, community coming together if you don't have children. But let me tell you folks, somebody's going to have to be there to help you. And whether it's your children or somebody paid. And the idea, I get it, you know, they should have their own life. But in many other societies, other than America, because we're kind of selfish here, people know that you band together to help everybody. It is ridiculous to think that everybody's going to be off on their own and nobody is going to need any help. That's just not the reality of aging. Well, and that takes us to this email from John who says, I want to hear more of Carlene's idea on making aging a rite of passage in community instead of the individualistic model we see now. Carlene, go ahead. So absolutely. Um, So I was a caregiver for my parents. I was an only child. And after they passed away, like 10 years later, and I was not married, didn't have children, that didn't change. And I started saying, huh, well, there's no mini me. So what am I going to do? And so my partner, Kiara Harris, and I started having these conversations with our friends. 
And initially we were having it just with our friends who are like a single without children. And then our married friends were like, don't leave me out of here. I don't know if I'm going to still want my husband 30 years from now. I don't know. You know, I don't know if my son's going to, you know, step up and do what they need to do. And so we're elevating this as a community conversation. And so even in my own instance, you know, I have a friend from kindergartner who is my health kindergarten who's my healthcare power of attorney. I have a friend from college who is my financial power of attorney. I made sure when I had the opportunity to get long-term care insurance relatively early on and so my network of care consists of friends. I was like mm. y'all are going to be my network of care. And in my and in my case, also my play daughters. And so really having that intentional conversation and I will be bringing everyone together so that everyone knows who each other is. And so that here it's all lined out in the trust. Okay, you're doing this. You're doing this. You're doing this. And so creating intentional community. Part of what I heard in those messages, Amy, was less about planning and finances and more about what I read as an emotional experience. So one of the writers said that it would, it would be so difficult for him to rely on ch- the children for, for care, that it would, it would be hard on, on their dignity. And I think that's a piece we don't talk about a lot, that there can be emotional benefits of having this communal or shared support system where you, you've got elders and you've got kids. There can be some beautiful things that happen there, but there can also be an emotional cost. And, and as a caregiver, what are some of the things you wished you'd understood about the emotional part of this before you started? You know, I, it's really a very good point. And I have to say that I hear from a lot of caregivers the opposite, that their parents only want them, mm-hmm. uh, that they won't let anybody else care. And that's really hard on the caregiver as well. So we have such a range of viewpoints on this. But I agree. I think that, you know, I have some family members who uh, who really don't want their kids because they don't they see it as a burden. And they don't want that burden on their loved ones. Now, most caregivers... Some will, will describe it as a burden, but I never felt like it was a burden. I felt like it was just an expected part of my life to take care of my elders the way my parents had taken care of uh, my grandparents, and I had helped with, that, with taking care of my grandparents. And so I think that um, the, the emotional aspect of it is related to loss and fear, and I think we need to think about the fact that uh, you know, people are aging, but they're still here, you know, and we're, my dad had Alzheimer's. And even though Alzheimer's over time, you know, for more than a dozen years, I care for him, robbed him of so many of his skills and abilities. He was still my dad. And I, it was very emotional to see those changes. And I think that's what's hardest on the caregivers to see their loved ones change. But it was also incredibly rewarding and gratifying to know that I made him feel safe and secure and happy and that I could bring some joy to his life. You know, we talk a lot about the, the health care and the finances and the, the, those kinds of things. About, it's also about quality of life. And, you know, the light that we bring to our loved ones' lives. And as we're planning our aging, we need to be clear about what's important to us. Is it important that I have a dog? Is it important that I uh, have access to nature? 
that's got to be part of the planning. And I think as, as, uh, as people who are care recipients, they can think about this as, one, they're actually giving their child the gift of being able to return the care that they cared for them, you know, how, that, that circle of life kind of thing. Um, but also, they can be gracious about it and be gracious about accepting, you know, help and knowing that as they get older, you know, my, my boyfriend's mom is about to turn 95. And uh, he told me yesterday she's, she went to the doctor and he wants her to use a walker all the time and things like that. And, and she said, you know, um, it, I, it, it's hard getting older. And, and he said, yeah, mom, but we're glad that you, we want you here, you know. So if that's what has to happen, you know, things change and that's okay because we're here for you. We got this email from Jean who says, I'm 73 years old and have been struggling to prepare for my future for some time. Even though I can financially cover any costs of care, it is still troublesome because I have no family living in the city where I live. I will have to identify friends who will be willing to help and then outright ask them if they will. Carlene, any guidance for Jean about how to start those conversations and and the questions she should be asking them when she says, hey, is this something that you can do to help me through my aging process? And I, it, it is a difficult question. And my first, the first thing I would want to say is to be compassionate with yourself, right? And to think about what's really preventing me from asking for care. And have her think about if a friend came to her and asked her for care, for care and she could do it, she probably would, Right. Um, So the first is just to be compassionate with yourself. And and it is okay to ask for help. And also a person may not be able to help in a particular way, but they might be able to help in a different way. And I guarantee you, if she raises the question that there are others that will be like, oh, someone else is really talking about this. Because I think this is what happens. Everyone doesn't want to ask. And so everyone is sitting back, not wanting to ask. Um, But when you bring in the conversation, you will be surprised. Mm -hmm. It opens up a a floodgate, right, of of conversation. And, oh, well, this is what I do or this is what I'm thinking about. And so I just want to encourage her to take the first step. We got this message from Rodney who emails, I'm in Gen X and have had to help out a mother-in-law who was a widow in the last several years. My siblings and I try to divide the care amongst us. I think what has changed is that the elderly no longer can manage their homes like they used to in the past due to cost of living. Now, an analysis published this year from the National Council on Aging found that despite older adults' preference to stay in their homes as they age, 60% would be unable to afford two years of in-home long-term Term services and support. And the same analysis showed that 45% of people 60 and older had average incomes below what they need to afford necessities. In the face of these financial obstacles, Amy, I'll come to you first. What can family caregivers do to put their older loved ones in the most comfortable conditions possible? Well, one of the important things to do is to make sure they're maximizing any benefits they might be eligible for. Um, you know, we know that, uh, for example, veterans, uh, my dad was a veteran, World War II, Korea, but then never used any of his veterans in healthcare or anything like that because he was a professor and he had his insurance through them. 
when he got older and had Alzheimer's, I thought, we need this. 60% uh, of eligible veterans uh, are, are, I'm sorry, 60% of veterans are eligible for health benefits and about half are not using them. So right there, that can cost, cut a lot of costs. My dad's medications were free, his medical supplies, incontinence supplies, medical equipment. We got ramps, we got a little grant to help not completely cover, but help modify the bathroom, things like that. So, um, and, and find out, you know, if you want to do some Medicaid planning, talk to a certified Medicaid planner, find out what that's all about and what would need to happen. Um, find out if there's even, you know, uh, benefits to help pay for utilities and other kinds of costs. Uh, many times places do have discounts for older adults uh, or, or um, breaks in terms of, of paying their utility bills. Um, make sure that any tax credits or are, are, that are available, you know, the child independent tax credit is available now, but that person has to be living with you. And, um, you know, there's the Credit for Caring Act that's being discussed and that AARP is, is uh, supporting. Um, and, you know, make sure that they are maximizing anything like that that they can. Uh, I, like Michelle, you know, I, I think that people need to draw upon, and, and as Carlene was saying, you need to draw upon your community. You, know, you think of your caregiving team much more broadly than just family. Um, nobody has a, that big of a family to cover everything. Let's pause here for just a moment. We'll discuss more of those resources when we come back. Stay with us. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com switch. This message comes from NPR sponsor REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing. Visit your local REI co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways to opt outside. Michelle, I want to pick up with the, the financial planning piece because before the break, Amy was explaining some of the resources that may be available to people and they're, they're not aware of them. Is there a resource, a guide, uh, an attorney, a financial planner, someone you can reach out to to help you navigate this very complicated puzzle? So all of the above, <laughs> you, you do need a estate plan. Let's start there. Many uh, Americans do not even have a will or one that they've written themselves. We all have a will. It's the, those, um, if you don't have one, it's dictated by the state. So let's start there. Um, and then, you know, definitely put into place, um, for example, if, you know, maybe you need a trust so that you can, in terms of uh, planning for Medicaid, um, you know, we did that with my father-in-law. He was a veteran uh, and we did some planning. Um, unfortunately, he passed away before all of it could be, you know, utilized, but we had it in place if he had lived longer. So you do want to get to an attorney, get your estate in, in order. And then there are lots of groups that um, will help you navigate uh, community services and other things that will help you financially. Um, AARP has a great caregiving website. Like seriously, go there. There's so many resources there um, and people you can actually pay to help you go through everything. You want to be sure you vet these folks though. 
um, and go through what's the income that's coming in. What, you know, do you need to retrofit your house? If you sell your house, where do you put that money so that your family can use that to take care of you? And here's another thing that you ought to put into your financial plan, Uh, money for therapy. Uh, because this is a huge issue. I mean, Colleen talked about that and Amy talked about that. And I have to tell you, I broke my ankle, my foot. And I was one of those people like, I don't need no help. I don't, don't, you know, you are not taking me to the toilet. Well, let me tell you, I re-injured my foot trying to get myself to the toilet. Mm. And that was a humbling experience because I did not call downstairs to ask all those people in my house to come help me go to the bathroom because I was so embarrassed. And I'm I'm regularly in therapy, y'all. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, because you know the thing about aging and the guilt, and you know if you if you um, you know you got kids, there's issues with that, and and you got three kids, five kids, and only one of the kids is helping out. That's that's some therapy stuff right there. And there, you know, put in your plan money to help you know yourself if you're going to get caregiving and your adult children respite care put that into your financial plan and what that is is that give them a break you know give them some time off from caregiving as as rewarding as it can be you need a break so you know I, and I get this this is a hard thing because it's so far down the road and people don't think about all these things that have to happen when you age mm-hmm. And, and that also means, let's take a step back, that means you can't be wildly spending in your 20s and 30s and 40s. You have to think, what resources am I going to have when and if I need care? Um, and that means handling your money better now, especially if you have aging parents and you know they don't have money. Well, you you can't live in that big, you know, five bedroom house if you know your parents don't have any money. Maybe you live in a three bedroom and your kids share a bedroom. You know what I mean? Like you really have to think down the road how this is all going to happen. We got this email from Marguerite who says, my 102-year-old mother recently had a stroke and is now in a nursing home. This is the last place she wanted to be. She refused to discuss a long-term care plan for herself with her children. She rebuffed all of our efforts to talk about what was possible with her limited financial resources. We are now struggling with the reality that her stubbornness has left us with few choices for her end-of-life care. It didn't have to be this way. Amy, if you're in a situation where you want to start having these conversations, with elders in your life and you're hitting a wall. Any any advice about how to start the conversation in a way that can, and maybe you don't get it all done the first day, but can at least start to get that wheel moving so you can start to develop a plan. Right. The, these conversations, I always say have them early and often. Early because it's easier to talk about when it's not imminent. You know, when you're 60 and talking about when I'm in my 90s, it's much easier to make your wishes known and think about, you know, when I stop driving someday, when it's not right now. So, and often because things change, the financial situation changes, the health conditions change. And as you're, as you have these conversations, you've got to think about the person that you're talking to. Um, Are are they going to be better with a very direct approach with lots of facts and figures, you know, do your homework ahead of time. Here are the options that I see, mom, which one do you think is best for you? 
or are they someone who you need a little bit more indirect approach? And you're going to say, you know, bring up, for example, that they, um, I heard from a friend of mine was talking to her mother, or I listened to this radio show, or I saw, a, I read an article, or I saw something on TV. Oh, there's a storyline in, uh, in the soap opera I watch. And uh, I was thinking, what would happen if that was us? You know, try to get to those things. Uh, it, it also sometimes is helpful to have the right person as part of the conversation. Some, you know, uh, it, it, I always say my grandmother always wanted my uncle on any health conversation because he was a health teacher in high school. So maybe he was, he was <laughs> not a medical doctor, but for her, that was important, right? So, so people, um, it might be that they want the, the, to have the financial advisor there and have conversations with the financial advisor. You might be able to enlist their doctor. Uh, if you want to talk about driving or some other kinds of things like that, or what the what the prognosis or how they might want to think about their aging as they get older, so think about the right people at the conversation. Um, ARP has this tool called Care to Talk, and they're conversation cards to get that that conversation going. So it's more like kind of a game, uh, and you can just go to arp.org/care to talk and find those. And you know, it's sometimes just that indirect thing can be just what's needed, you yeah. know? And I, I, you know, doing your homework is super key for this because you need to know, well, actually, as Carlene said, the Area Agency on Aging has these services. Somebody might be able to come and do some homemaking chores for you. Maybe um, they have a, an organization that volunteers and does yard work for you. Um, there is the National um, Volunteer Caregiving Network. You might be able to get some volunteers. In. And, and so you want to talk about the costs and about the team and how broadly that can be put together. Carlene, if you could give a piece of advice to your past self, uh, right as she was beginning to step into this role of caring for both parents, what would you tell her? Be gentle with yourself. Be gentle with yourself. Um, and it is okay to set some boundaries. Um, and particularly as women, we tend to want to be completely selfless. Um, and again, through therapy, which let me just say, everyone doesn't have access to that now. So however that looks to, to get that second ear for you um, is that you really have to, um, you, you have to take care of yourself. You absolutely have to take care of yourself. And I do want to just lift up, you know, I heard a couple of folks, shout out to Gen X. I'm boomer adjacent, um, but I am Gen X. Gen X and, here. <laughs> right. And yeah. so there's a lot of this talk, uh, you know, this kind of boomer millennial, uh, but Gen Xers are spot dead in the middle of this sandwich generation. And also don't have the benefit of some of the pensions um, and programs that many of like my boomer sisters are able to manage this because they had this infrastructure that the Gen X community does not have. And so I just really wanted to lift that up. Hmm. Amy? I don't expect yourself to be superhuman. I'm a human. I'm a loving and caring human. I'm doing the best I can. You know, I thought that I should be able to handle the, the financial aspects of it. So I didn't want to spend that money to get a financial advisor for myself. That's my biggest regret because I ended up having such financial devastation. So I would say ask for help, get the help that you need to protect yourself as well and connect with other caregivers. 
uh, I moderate a, a Facebook group on uh, for AARP Family Caregivers Discussion Group. We've got more than 15,000 caregivers in that group. And I tell you what, we learn the most from each other. So always connect with other caregivers. Michelle? Find a caregiving buddy and someone you can talk to and sound off, especially if you can't afford therapy. I have one of my bestie friends. She's taking care of her mother. And when I was taking care of my father, I'm going to cry because she was my lifesaver. I could call and tell her anything and everything. Even when I was mad, when I had to wipe his behind, I was just like, why do I have to do this? And she was like, it's going to be okay. So find that caregiving buddy to help you through this process. That's Michelle Singletary. She's a personal financial columnist for The Washington Post. Also with us, Carlene Davis, co-founder of Sisters Aging with Grace and Elegance, or SAGE, and Amy Goyer, the national family and caregiving expert at AARP. Thank you all for joining us. Today's producer was Lauren Hamilton. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening. Let's talk more soon. This is 1A. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure. AI may be the most important new computer technology ever, but AI needs a lot of processing speed, and that gets expensive fast. Upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure. OCI is the single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. Do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic. Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash NPR. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts.